The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we're talking with Paul Lumley, the executive director of NEA. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm joined today by the executive director, Paul Lumley, uh, executive director of Native American Youth and Family Center, um, I think people probably know the organization more by its acronym uh, NAYA. Right, NAYA. NAYA. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great. I'm having a good morning. Good, good. Hey, so I want to give some, uh, before we jump into some of the current uh, challenges and opportunities uh, for NAYA and for the organization and the individuals and families you're serving, let's get some context. It's 45, 40, 46 years. Mm hmm. Yeah, we were uh, formed uh, really around 1946 by a group of volunteers and parents who saw many of their Native youth that weren't graduating from high school and they wanted to do something about it. So they started doing this after-school program for mentoring and after-school sports to keep these kids off the streets and get them to study. What, 1946, you said? Uh, 1974. Sorry. Or 1974, sorry. Um, and, and so was there anything... Uh, I mean, you, you talked about just the, the general idea. Was there anything politically happening in 1974 or that was giving opportunities or what was happening in the Northwest at that time? I don't think it was anything in particular with that decade. It's just maybe perhaps decades of students not being successful in high school and not having the proper supports in the public school system or even the family or tribal supports at, at that time. You know, if you look back at the history of education in Indian country, it is really not good. Uh, there are what I would say generations of trauma that affects these kids even today. Uh, education was used as a weapon against our people. Uh, they were The children were stolen from the tribal reservation sites and uh, taken to these boarding schools where they were forced to cut their hair, not practice their culture or speak their language. And it was a policy of the government to uh, take the Indian out of the child because it was too hard for them to kill all the Indians. And they weren't successful at it. Uh, there's one not too far from here, Chimawa uh, High School, which is, it's kind of by Salem, and that's got that same history, although now it's a uh, school that is embraced by the tribes. Totally different kind of programming. And, 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 and so uh, NAO uh, is in the Portland area. Is this where it started? Yes, it started in a church in southeast Portland, a uh, basement of a church, and we moved around a little bit, ended up at the campus where we are now, which is on Columbia Boulevard, sort of near uh, the airport, around 50th. And it's an old middle school that we purchased. It's a 10-acre uh, campus with a, we have a high school on the lower level, a Native American alternative high school. In the upper level, it has uh, programming to serve those kids, kids in the public school system and families. Uh, and and how, how many kids are in the high school? Uh, we have about 60 on a typical year, or at least that's our max. We tend to float around different parts of the year uh, between 50 and 60. But last year, we uh, started out at 60, and we ended up a little bit less than that. And, and, and I'm, I'm just trying to get some of the, uh, the, the outlines here again. So 
Native American youth and family centers. So there's obviously a lot of tribes within a hundred mile radius. Um, mm -hmm. And I imagine everybody's welcome, but who, who, is, who is there? Well, we serve um, the Portland area's urban Indian population, uh, which is very diverse. Um, the last census count uh, had about uh, 380 tribes that were represented. And that's about what we see actually in our programming too. So they're from all over. There are some tribes. tribes. From around the nation. And uh, although there are some tribes nearby that have uh, quite a few more uh, folks in this population and some from further away, like Navajo, there's quite a few Navajo and uh, several Tlingit uh, tribes from the um, Southeast Alaska. So um, Colville, uh, Yakima, my tribe. Um, so there's quite a bit of diversity in our programming. Uh, that's why uh, last year we asked the kids to rename the school and they came up with a new name called Many Nations Academy. Oh, okay. Okay, that, that right because I mean that's three three hundred uh, tribes nations. That's that's a lot. That's a mixed bag. Yeah, sure is, isn't it? And and what challenges does that put on the curriculum then? I mean, you just you just talked about the 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 naming of it, but um, yeah, I, the Chinook and the Navajo have very different. I mean, they have shared but different histories. Mm -hmm. How how are how do you address uh, the diversity within? Uh, um, backgrounds and culture. Mm -hmm. Well, we're not a language immersion program, although we've had uh, in the past, we've tried to teach some language classes in native language. Uh, in this particular area, Chinookawawa is the language. And so you'll see some of that signage around our uh, building, uh, uh, naming of rooms, naming of areas, even naming of some of our properties around town have Chinookawawa language in it. We have several affordable housing projects as well. So, um, we try to be as welcoming and inclusive as we can, not just to the native population, but also anybody that asks for our services. We're not exclusively native uh, at the school or in our programming. We'll serve anybody that walks through our doors that we can possibly serve. And uh, at the same time, we honor uh, those tribes who are, are nearby in the language of this area, traditional language of this area. So we have you know, Grand Ronds, Letts, Cowlitz nearby, Warm Springs just over the hill. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask about um, Warm Springs in particular. Uh, um, just they have their own infrastructure uh, there in, in, in the nation. And, and how, how much interplay is there between NEA and, and Warm Springs? Well, actually, there's a fair amount. We've been working with them in some of their um, early childhood education. Uh, they have a, um, some good programming over there that we've done some work with them and we do travel over there and there are several of their kids come to our high school too. Um, and so I, I know we've been focusing a lot on kids, but you're, you're, you're also working with adults and families. Mm -hmm. And elders too. And elders. Let's, yeah. let's start we with actually, adult, let's start with well, adults and families. What, um, how are you playing offense and how are you playing defense? Uh, well, it's uh, really depends on the programming. We offer such a wide range of programs. It's really sort of a one-stop shop. Um, so when we started working with these uh, kids in our high school, we found out that the services we're providing to them, the families and the community also wanted those same services. And so you think about what the kids are going through. A couple of years ago, 45% of the student body was homeless. It was better last oh, year. I want, I want to pause on that for a second. You just said 45% of the student population was homeless. Mm -hmm. It's an alternative high school. Uh, these kids are, for various reasons, not making it in the public school system. Many have, have lives that are upended, just like mine was when I was that age. And uh, so we try to be a, a warm and welcoming environment for those who can't make it in the public school system for whatever the reason. 
a large percentage are LGBTQ. Uh, the term we use in the country is two-spirit. Uh, many of them are involved in drugs and alcohol, gang activity, a lot of foster kids. Many are in broken homes. Several have been in homes that suffer with um, domestic abuse. Um, so we just try to wrap around these kids and save them and uh, get them to the finish line, which is to graduate, and then also prepare them beyond the finish line to be successful with college or a career. Well, there's a lot to talk about there. So I, I, I want to start with maybe the, the beginning of uh, the, the arc, as it were. How do these kids find you, or how do you find these kids? Uh, they come to us. Uh, we don't necessarily do um, specific outreach. We do let uh, people know at the beginning of the school year that we're here in social media and other means. Uh, but they come to us. Um, kids sometimes search us out. The parents sometimes search us out. Um, of late, we found that um, the parents are bringing their kids to us because they know they're having a hard time in the public school system. Uh, we've had a few uh, kids come to us on their own without families, and we try to jump in and give them immediate services to get them off the streets. Um, but it's they, they find us. And, and then, I mean, you know, the challenge is obviously... Um... Of, of going to a school that is not necessarily in your neighborhood can be transportation. So how much of that is a challenge and, and how can they uh, support these kids to, to get, actually get to you? I mean, you guys mm -hmm. have a, a, a large, wonderful facility. I've, I've gone through there before, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's not necessarily convenient for everybody. That's true. <laughs> and it's on a busy street too. Uh, there is a bus that pulls into the parking lot and turns around and goes back. And that was really hard for us to get the, um, transportation uh, in Tanea. Uh, we had to advocate for several years to get that, but the bus actually stops there. And so many of our kids ride the bus. We support their costs. Uh, several um, arrive in vehicles. Their families are dropping them off. Um, it is a challenge to get uh, to our building if you are on a bike. I wouldn't ride a bike down Columbia Boulevard, but uh, people find their way to us and um, they figure it out. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, and then um, you know, you said that the, the finish line in some ways is getting students to graduation and then obviously preparing them with, with, with skills uh, to get into their adult life. Mm -hmm. Share a success story. Is there, uh, you know, we don't need names, but just um, can you, can you talk me through a, a recent success story that you, that you've been familiar with? Yeah. There's a young gal who, I uh, spoke at our annual gala a couple of years ago. Gosh, or maybe it was last year. I can't remember. No, it was two years ago, I think. And um, she had a very similar life story to me. Uh, she came from a broken home, ended up being homeless for a while, and uh, found her way to Nea. And we helped get her those supports. She reconnected with her mother. Um, she obviously didn't feel like she was the kind of person who could go to college, but we have gave her that confidence. Um, and she graduated on time, ended up going to college, and she graduated without any debt uh, because of our scholarship program. Uh, really an amazing story of somebody who really kind of was lifted out of the ashes like me and was, was saved. And she's now uh, going to, in her, in her master's program, and her goal is to graduate there and come back and work for NEA. Oh, wonderful. Pretty neat. In fact, there's a lot of kids that come to us that think that not only will they not be able to graduate on time, many do, but also they are not going to be able to go to college, but many do. So it's interesting. Oh, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. more than interesting. That's fantastic that, that you're doing this. I mean, you're changing the course of, of uh, these students' trajectory. 
Hey, and Paul, you brought in you brought in a, a, a nice song for us to play. Why don't you uh, introduce it and uh, maybe just give a little, why did you pick this song? Well, it's by Alabama Shakes, and the song is Hold On. And the first time I saw uh, Alabama Shakes play, it was on Saturday Night Live. And the lead singer is um, a big woman, a lot of hair. And she just plays that guitar. And the way she sings is so expressive, really brings you into the music. And that song, Hold On, means so much to me because, in fact, I cried when I listened to it. Because there's a phrase in there when she says, I didn't think I was going to make it to 22 years old. And the song's about, oh, you got to hold on. And, uh, you know, I was a suicidal youth. I was homeless. And many of these kids in our high school are feeling the same way. So I really connect with that song. And I heard it not too long ago. And I went to Saturday Night Live and watched it again online. I just thought, oh my God, these kids in our high school could really you know, connect with this song too. Um, There's so much emotion in, in it. Let's, let's, let's uh, give it a spin and listen to it and we'll be right back. my 
That was the Alabama Shakes. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm talking to Paul Lumley, who's Executive Director for NAIA, the Native American Youth and Family Center. And Paul, you've, you've, you've referenced um, your, uh, your youth a bit. Um, and, and I mean, you really, you've, you've changed the course of that story. I mean, you've, you've, worked, in, you've worked in DC, uh, you've been the executive director for the uh, Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you've done some really, uh, let's call it heavy-duty work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I don't know what it is about me. Uh, I never expected to be like this. Um, but I did have a very unstable youth. Um, don't know how I made it through. I made it through college. I was homeless a lot in college. Um, in fact, I went to college because I was homeless. I needed a place to stay. I needed some consistent meals. I also knew that uh, education was my only future. I couldn't just um, drop out of high school. I had to actually finish high school and go to college. And I was just driven to do that. And um, because of my experience of being so unstable, I, I think that's why it drives me so much. Um, you know, I, I still feel like I'm going to be homeless again. I am 57 years old. It still feels that way. I cannot shake it. I think that's why it's driven me to work so hard. Uh, when I started out the Fish Commission, I think it was 1986 or 87, I was a summer internship um, sampling fish at Bonneville Dam. And who knew that um, come 2000, and, I guess it was 2007 or 8, I became the um, executive director of the same organization. Although I did take a little vacation, went to Washington, D.C., uh, went to work for the Pentagon as their senior tribal liaison, and also as the executive director of the National American Indian Housing Council and then came back to the Fish Commission. I worked at the Fish Commission for like 26 or seven years, and then came to NEA in 2016. And um, I really connected with NEA actually way before that. I used to go to their galas, went to their powwows. I just loved the people, loved the board, loved what they were doing, donated to them a lot. So um, when this job opened up to be the executive director, I thought really hard and strong about that. And I thought, hmm. I've done international work, national work, regional work. I've never really gotten that close to my community. I felt like I traveled too much. and I really wanted to be grounded at least some point in my life. And I did it. I made the switch. And, and uh, the right decision? I think it's the right decision. I think uh, Naya is doing some amazing work. In addition to all the program we do with the youth, we have all this, this huge housing program and several affordable housing projects. One just opened up. And it's fully leased right next to Nea. It's called Nasaika Ilihi. And then we just um, did our financial closing, another one not too far from it. It's uh, called Memotokati. And it's all on 42nd Avenue and it's really close to Nea. And so I think we're going to see a Native community forming in and around Nea. It's going to be amazing. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about that, that housing program. Well, first off, I mean, what, 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 a, what a remarkable uh, story. I mean, congratulations on... Uh, the journey that you've taken. Um, I want to get into the house in a second, but I, I, I do want to rewind a little bit uh, to when you were a teenager. You said you weren't really sure what 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 was driving you or or how you ended up in college. But were there mentors? Were there were there people that you could uh, fasten onto or at least try to uh, emulate? Was there anyone mm-hmm. like that for you? Yeah, there was. Um, you know, as a young gay man, still closeted, 
even to myself at you know, 15, 16 years old, I was uh, a runaway from home, uh, being horribly harassed in high school for being gay. And um, I was trying to deny it even to myself because of the religious nature of the household I was in. And so I, I left, never went back, and eventually ended up with my aunt and uncle, and they were both uh, teachers. And uh, they accepted me for who I was. They strongly encouraged me to stay in high school. I ended up going to an alternative high school for a while in the Olympia area, just like Nea, an alternative high school. And uh, eventually graduated from a, a public high school and um, applied for a couple of colleges, got accepted in two of them, ended up going to Central Washington University. And my sister was going there at the same time. So we did it together and we sort of survived together. And so my aunt and uncle and my sister, I credit them for helping me uh, get through that really difficult time in my life and uh, actually getting a college degree. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I have to imagine that you see yourself and the kids that are showing up on your doorstep, on, on Naya's doorstep. Mm -hmm, definitely. I could have benefited um, from the alternative high school there. Would love to have gone to a native alternative high school when I was growing up. I didn't. I went to a different kind. But also, every program at NAIA, I probably could have benefited from every one of them, me or my family. Uh, it is um, really an amazing place to be and to work and to feel like you're making a, a real contribution. Uh, you know, it has been really tough. I'm not going to lie. This last year with, or last five months with this COVID environment, it was bad before the crisis hit and it is even worse. So they, the community needs us now more than ever. The students need us now more than ever. We're there for them. It is hard to build a community when you can't have the physical interaction. Mm -hmm. um, are, you, are you concerned that some individuals and families are sinking a little bit right now? And, and, and what can you do to, to, to provide a lifeline during this time? Well, it's tough. Um, you know, in addition to our, you know, we have a food program right now. It's really grown. So that's a point of contact that we have, even though it's socially distanced. Um, the food program at NAIA was also huge for us. We fed those kids breakfast and lunch. The elders got breakfast and lunch. All of them got it for free. Uh, a lot of the uh, events we had in the evenings, people would come back. And so we were, food has been a central part of who we are. And when this virus hit, people couldn't come to NAIA anymore. So we brought the food to them. So now we um, purchase food, cook the food package it and deliver 2,000 meals a week. Um, we also have a food pantry that was just serving oh, probably 10 or 15 families a week and now we're serving probably 200 a week. So they come to NAM and pick up food boxes. So we have some checking in with our clients and the students. It is not the same, I'll be honest with you. It is really difficult for some of these kids. When they came to NAM and sat with a teacher who really functioned also as a counselor, they're listening to them, uh, these kids, what they're going through and at home. And it's not the same when you call them on the phone or you get them on a video and a laptop in their home. They are not going to talk to you freely because the people they're having an issue with are probably standing in the same room with them. And so it is very, very different. Uh, after the virus hit, domestic violence issues you know, just really increased. And so the folks in that program uh, really stressed, trying to deal with so many needs in the community. So, yeah, it has been tough. Um, we have had a, f uh, a few arts and cultures events uh, on Zoom. They're not the same, but it's good to see everybody. And, and obviously one of the other developments uh, over the last several months has been um, calls for and recognition of, of, of equity uh, and, and equality and fairness. You know, obviously a lot of the focus has been on, on Black Life, 
Black Lives Matter. Um, mm -hmm. But but are are you finding opportunities here? Are you finding a, a sense of of equity that is also uh, uh, extending to Native American individuals and families? Yeah, I actually do see that. I see some increased interest in helping NEA. You know, we struggle financially every year. The campus we have is very expensive and we can't survive without our fundraising, but our, you know, it's hard to fundraise in an environment like this. So people have been coming to us on their own and donating to us, which has been just saving us through the summer. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement is something that I support wholeheartedly. And so does our community the same struggles that they are going through, we have gone through and are still going through today. And so to the extent we can support the Black Lives Matter movement, we are. Um, so yeah, it's been a tough year, you know, with the, not just the crisis, but the downturn in the economy. So much of our community is now unemployed. And you know, thank God for the um, moratorium on evictions. Um, but, you know, we also have affordable housing properties and people aren't paying rent there too. So we're kind of hurt in two different directions. You know, we have to service debt too. And um, you know, we can't do that if people aren't working. And then with all the riots, which really started out with um, protests, and the protests we so certainly support, um, the riots have been very difficult for everybody. Um, I've spoken a few times at these Black Lives Matter events, and um, you know, it's important to remember where this is coming from. These are African-American community members who've been murdered by the police. We need to see change. That's what this means. And uh, we've got to stop that behavior. It happened again just not too long ago. And then a young man was um, shot, I think, eight times in the back. Um, so it is a difficult time for everybody right now, especially the African-American community. And, um, you know, I, I feel for them. I support them. Let's, let's end maybe on a, on a bit of an optimistic note. Uh, the microenterprise program seems really uh, dynamic and interesting to me. Can you talk a little bit about the training and um, mm -hmm. any any businesses that are emerging from that? Yeah, we um, we started this work because we wanted to do more than just serving the neediest of the needy. We actually wanted to lift the community out of poverty and give them opportunities. Uh, so the community development department at uh, NEA has a microenterprise program, among other supports to the people out of poverty, a match savings program for opening up your own business or going to college or getting your first rental apartment. And the microenterprise program has a, a training program where people can come in with a business idea and we can give them the training to help pull the whole thing together. Um, um, you know, we've had coffee shops that open, a t-shirt, um, flower shop, um, you know, tattoo parlor, um, a long list of businesses. I'm gonna grant you they're all struggling right now, but we're here for them too and giving them resources so they don't go under. Um, you know, some of the businesses are in the Coley neighborhood. We support the Coley neighborhood businesses too that are not necessarily a part of our microenterprise program because that's the community we live in. We want to support them too. But yeah, it's a really great program there. Um, I've never gone through it. Uh, I always thought about going into business, uh, but I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing now. I mean, it's so empowering too, just, you know, running your own tattoo parlor as opposed to, you know, working for somebody else. I mean, they're challenging but empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It really is. And we want um, to build wealth in the community. Um, we, you know, we're not doing this. We're not getting rich off. This is a nonprofit, obviously. But we want people to have, you know, good paying jobs, uh, opportunities for advancement in the future. Uh, 
these are also future donors to NAMM. So it makes sense for us to <laughs> our community. <laughs> Spoken like an executive director. <laughs> hey, Paul, it's been really nice talking to you. I, I understand that it has been a uh, challenging time, but it's just, just, it's so pleasant talking to you. Paul Lumley is the executive director for NAIA, the Native American Youth and Family Center. Um, thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Phil. Have a great day. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.